there was, I mean, that's when I relied on my, my hard-headedness to keep pushing through <laughs> until, until I found that. Um, I mean, the moment I really remember, like, relying on it was when I was in New York. That's when it, like, became very clear to me. I was, my partner came out and hiked with me, and he was on trail with me for, uh, like, five weeks or something, and really got me through these, like, hard times in Pennsylvania and the rocks and, like, all this mid-Atlantic stuff that I would have, like, probably ditched out if I hadn't had somebody, like, pushing me. And it was the day that he left. He went to fly back to California, and I was, like, on my own. I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast and the final episode of the pre-pandemic series. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced thru-hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a thru-hike. Today's guest is Purple Rain, known off-trail as Mandy Bland. She began her thru-hiking career on the AT, then moved to the Grand Enchantment Trail and section hikes of the PCT. Along the way, she found her passion, in the process creating Purple Rain Adventure Skirts. In this episode, we talk about the evolution of her rain skirts and how putting a pocket on it makes life so much better, navigation challenges on the Grand Enchantment Trail, and staying a solo hiker. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Purple Rain. Hey, Mandy. Hi. Isn't it so, uh, I guess not profound, but, uh, you know, the, the proverb, may you live in interesting times? Uh, interesting, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> for sure. Just keeps changing by the hour right now. I know. It's, it's kind of wacky. It is. Everything is changing by the hour. How are, how are you doing with, with all of this? I'm doing all right. Like we hold up pretty well. I mean, my business has run out of the home, so I'm thankful for that. Like I can kind of keep moving forward with that. And my partner is a teacher. So Oregon schools are closed until the end of April. So he can be home and help take care of our kiddo. So we have a three-year-old. So all, yeah. obviously his like preschool and all of that is closed also. So we're pretty fortunate in the fact that we can all be together um, and yeah. do this, take it on as a family. How about you? I'm just, I'm sort of in the waiting place. I'm waiting yeah. to see what happens. Okay. I'm supposed to start the trail the beginning of April. So like yeah. three weeks. And <laughs> I'm just kind of waiting. It's probably yeah, the best description that's all we can for do. it. <laughs> right. Right. What else can you do? Um. Yeah, that, I can't imagine like doing so much planning and preparation and then like having this halt to the world happen. I know. Um, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm lucky that I'm in LA. So, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, flights that I've had, I have and, right. and all of that type of planning. Cause I was just going to literally stay at a friend's house and she was going to drive me to the border. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I guess yeah. from that perspective, I'm in a position where I can literally just wait and and pull the trigger right. at the last second and still be fine with it. 
but a lot of people aren't yeah. at this point. So yeah, no, that is, that's true. I know I think about like international travel for travelers and all of that, you know, like prepping for their 2020 hike and things are changing. Whew. I know it's, it's quite ironic to me that, you know, last year was the year of snow and water and, and all of that. And this year as kind of things were building through December and into early January, it was kind of like, Oh, look, you know, the snow is lower and you know, right. things could be better that way. We'll have to water, you know, look for water, or whatever. And then, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> the least expected one comes about. <laughs> I know. Right. I guess every yeah. year it's something. Right. Right. Exactly. So 2020, the year of the pandemic when, you know, everyone's height got messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's going to be really interesting to see how that translates. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, in ways that I don't think that we can even like comprehend right now, you yeah. know, I mean, in so many ways, but within the hiking community, especially like we just, we just kind of don't know. And the impacts of like the little towns along the way that mm-hmm. are very dependent on these, you know, the surge of income that they get all summer long. I don't know. I don't remember who put it out, but somebody had put out the, you know, don't, don't hike this year, you know, don't, you know, go into those small communities and potentially carry something in with right. you. Uh, inadvertently. And it really made me stop and think, I mean, you hear over and over again, it's about the people, it's about the people, it's about the people. Um, But it really made me stop and think about how dependent we are. I mean, the, the hiking community is almost like a magnification of it. But in general, how dependent we are on other people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And now that we're all locked inside, figuring out how to still be able to be connected and have those have those connections without like the physical part of it. Yeah, this is a test. No, that's a really good point. It is. This is a true test. (laughs) (laughs) The world will not be the same when we come out from our homes. No, it's true. It won't be. I mean, I hope for the better. Like, I'm really trying to stay very positive about it, that people are going to, like, learn a lot from this and learn about supporting small businesses and, like, their, what their impact really does have and that we don't want to self-isolate, that social media doesn't do it all for us, you know, that we need these, like, human connections and kind of reassess um, our day-to-day lives. Once you don't have it, you know, you're forced to think about it. So I'm, I'm optimistic. That's where I am with this. <laughs> Well, in an optimistic framework, um, and since uh, right now I'm just kind of living vicariously through you <laughs> <laughs> and your experiences of the trail. Oh, thanks. Yeah. What was your first trail? Like, what was the first time you set foot on those suckers and, and did something that was, you know, like a distance, so to speak? A distance? That's a good question. Like done a fair bit of backpacking um, when I moved to Oregon. You know, I was like infatuated with the outdoors and did some small like weekend stuff. But I was I was thinking back to that, and it was um, I did a summer. I worked a summer in Alaska in 2010 and uh, doing like guiding, um, like sea kayaking, guiding. And there was like over in Ketchumac Bay outside of Homer, and my friend and I did nine days through Ketchumac Bay. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Like, I can hike the AT. Like, I can do these long trails, you know, like that gave me <laughs> gave me the cred. Of, like, if I can do this, like, I can do that. And obviously, like, every trail is different. And mm-hmm. I still, um, you know, packed a lot of fears whenever I took off on a longer trail. But 
it was definitely that one that I was like, I, okay, I can do this. Like, it is just walking. You got to figure out how to like keep your feet dry. Like, you know, all kind of the, the same gear that you need for a shorter backpack you need for the longer one. So after that, I was, I was pretty hooked and started planning a longer one. When you say you packed your fears for each trail. I'm assuming that your fears changed for each trail because I'm assuming that at some point you dropped your fears along the trail. But what were some of the fears that you packed with you? Um, it did change. You're right. Um, mine has always been like food and water, you know, okay. like I just, you know, starting the AT, I think I had, you know, like classic, like seven days worth of food and, you know, a couple of gallons of water or something like completely full. And I kind of continued to do that, like all the all the way north. Like I don't know if I ever ran out of food. Like I never had that. Like I have to get to town because I'm out of food. Like I definitely <laughs> kept going with it. You know, I I dropped the first aid kit. You know, like I I kind of thinned it down that way. I dropped the you know three pairs of underwear that I had. Like all that stuff didn't matter. But I was definitely like the girl with food, <laughs> and that definitely like changed whenever we did the Grand Enchantment Trail, like two years later, like, you know, you're just kind of faced with a lot more, um, just you're, you're up against a lot more. And I took water for granted on the AT. So you, you learn what your body can handle and there's only so many water sources. So, you know, you do run out. (laughs) Keep your fingers crossed for the next one. (laughs) Is the Grand Enchantment Trail as well angeled or magic, I guess, water-wise? Uh, no, not at all. Um, it's, it is determined, like, it's more, it's a route. Um, so it is like connecting other trails and, uh, forest service roads and stock trails and all of that. There is, there is good water along the way, but it's a lot more spread out. You're drinking out of like stock tanks and things like that, as opposed to my experience on the AT is just like gushing springs, like coming out of every mountainside. (laughs) (laughs) which is beautiful. I would just like gargle it now with the perspective that I have, you know, but at the time, uh, you know, you didn't, you know, I still, I still filtered and I was just like, that's silly. Like that was the the best water ever, you know, it's coming out of the Appalachian, Appalachian mountains, but you don't know until you drink stinky cow water, how good it is. Right. Until you have a stock tank, you don't know how good your life has been. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Any CDT hiker would agree with that. (laughs) I don't know. Seeing some of the some of the uh, water sources in the desert on the PCT, oh, yeah, yeah, they get kind of rough. Like you're just you're grateful for what you get. Yeah, and I have a feeling that some of those some of those sources you would never in your entire life imagine that you would actually possibly drink from it, and yet there you are. Right, <laughs> there you are, filling away. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it teaches you uh, to not be picky and, you know, breaks down all those barriers for you. <laughs> you say it breaks down all those barriers, but like, what is going through your mind? Like, honestly, in that moment, I can only imagine what is going through your mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of like, I think once you see it, it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's it. You know, and then it's it's like that acceptance. You're like that. That's it. You might look around a little bit to see if maybe there's some better flow somewhere else, or like a little cleaner pool somewhere. But once you realize that that's your source, you're just like, yeah, all right, we're doing this. And then it's then it's delicious because it's it's your life source. So mm-hmm. you got to be okay with it. You sort of fall into the the trust in the 
in the filter, in the soy or, or the catadine or whatever it is? Then whatever you're using, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to, you know. And, it, you know, it learns to be, or you learn to um, appreciate it, I guess, over time. <laughs> you say that with like, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a wry smile, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It is. I don't know. That's what I love about hiking is that it just it it just breaks it down to what's important and what's not, and and water is really important. So you just take what yeah. you can get. What other fears were you kind of packing on on the AT? Um, let's see. My I was like a fear. I had this really strong, like I am woman, hear me roar mentality with it. Like I was doing it to prove to myself that I could do it. So I was really like kind of hard, hard headed and maybe to my own, like yeah, to um, not to myself, but benefits with that, you know, I could have used someone to like help dampen me down a little bit, but I, you know, I just kind of kept charging forward. And I mean, I was 30, like my body was pretty resilient. Um, I was pretty strong and I just like, I just charged ahead. I didn't, I took like eight zeros the whole time. Like I just, I really kept going um, because I needed to prove to myself that I could do it. And for me at the time, like taking time off or like having any of these distractions, like a lot of people would get off trail and go to Washington DC or New York or something. I was like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not going to do that. Cause I don't know if I'd come back. <laughs> I need to just like keep going. And it got me there, you know, and I'm, I'm really proud of myself that, that I did it, but I think maybe I could have used uh, a little bit more grace for myself on it. You know, my, my body was kind of broken down by the time I finished for sure. Is grace hard to find on the trail? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, for, for me, it was, I mean, I guess that's, that's probably pretty, you know, relative to, to who you are and what kind of expectations you put on yourself. But, you know, I just, I'm, over time, like I know what I'm capable of now. So I feel like I do kind of have to keep pushing myself to reach that. Um, and that could just be kind of my competitive nature that I have to, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that feeds into it a little bit. Um, but you're also, you know, if you are doing the full through hike, you have to hold yourself accountable because there is, whether it's a weather window or, or whatever, a time for having off work or whatnot, like if your goal is to get to Canada or your goal is to get to Katahdin, like you have to, you have to keep pushing yourself and finding those little, the little sprinkles of grace along the way. You know, for me, it was like hitchhiking into town and like eating a pint of ice cream and then going back to trail. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're having a rad, bad day. All right, let's go get some ice cream and then we'll be better. <laughs> and, and usually that was enough to, you know, jumpstart, jumpstart my spirits and get me back on. It sounds like you had questions or you had, I'll call them crises, but moments where you weren't sure if you wanted to be on trail or you were concerned that if you gave yourself a break, you wouldn't come back to trail or stay on trail. Yeah, absolutely. Like daily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't know if that's ever been experience or not. For me, I had, it was, you know, every day is the whole roller coaster of emotions. Um, you have your highest high, like followed by your lowest low. And that's almost like what kept me going in the lows was knowing that I would, I would come back. Yeah. I mean, I thought about quitting every day 
you know, or just whenever you're walking along and like bugs are literally like flying into your eyes and like your sweaty hot mess. And like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what is this accomplishing? And it's, it's really easy to just throw it in to throw the talent. And I guess I was kind of afraid that I was going to do that. So I had to to stay out there and inevitably like it, it does come back and I'd be like, that's silly. Of course we're doing this. Let's keep going. My little self-talk, but there's a million reasons to quit every day. Lady Gaga's song just went through my head. Sorry. What, what song did? Uh, a Million Reasons to Stay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good mantra for long trail. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, it was A Million Reasons to Go, One one Good Reason to Stay. But uh, well, yeah, it works both ways. It does. It really does. What did you feel like you were accomplishing out there? Like you, you said, you know, kind of keeping your eye on that. I I did have some goals, I guess, or I don't know. It was like talk about like this calling or something, and I don't I don't know if I exactly like frame it in that. Um, but you know, I did the like I had a corporate job and I not corporate but like full time desk job working for a nonprofit in Portland, and I like I quit it all to go hike. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people thought that was crazy, and I didn't really know what I was doing either. Uh, but I did feel that like there was something to be learned from the experience. And I needed, I wanted something different. Like I wanted a change for my life and I didn't know what that was. And I thought that maybe five months of hiking would give me that. And it turns out it did, uh, but I didn't know it at the time. I just, I just kept going and I didn't even know it by the time I finished. I just knew that I was a different person and I was looking at the world differently. Um, And that, you know, in the end helped me start my business, but I was definitely, I was searching for something. And I think a lot of hikers are. Uh, we don't quite yeah. know what it is, but it will it will present itself. And they say, you know, the trail provides. It does in this really like existential kind of way, you know, that it's not going to be maybe blatantly obvious for you. Maybe some it is, but it will. It'll it changes your life. Yeah. Um, you hear that over open and over again. Over and over. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it is. And I think that's the beauty of it. But <laughs> people just come off these trails like just different people. And that's why I want like everyone in the world to do it that want to, because you can really, you know, you can really find yourself out there. <laughs> yeah. Not to be too cliche about it, but <laughs> it feels like this is the way that I've framed it for people who've asked the question of me, because obviously I'm on the other side of that. I haven't started yet. Um, and God knows if I'll start this season or not, but, uh, <laughs> but people I'll ask a lot, you know, well, why are you doing this and so forth? Mm-hmm. And, and I, my answer is very similar to yours. It's like, I'm not happy. I'm not yeah. in love with where I am right now or what I'm doing right yeah. now. But in order to find what's next, in order to be open to what's next, I have to cut off this. And the hike is that perfect way of sort of creating separation between the two things. Yes. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. And that will leave me, and I have a feeling it leaves a lot of people open to what is coming next. Yeah. I think that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah. You do. You need to you need to break away from it. You need to be able to see it with different eyes. And maybe sometimes that is really driving like a sharp line between like that life and the next and yeah. see what happens from it. It's it's so interesting because you you can't be open to what's 
next. And this, re- this, I guess, relates to so many things in life, but you can't be open to what's next if you're still hanging on to where you are or what you have right now. Yeah, it is. That's very true. Yeah. Or if you're always looking backwards. Right. Right. If you're holding on to something, then yeah, you won't see whether it's an opportunity or yeah, what's, what's right in front of your face. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I think that's really, I think that's really great. I think it's a great way of putting it. And I think that will help a lot of hikers like kind of put it into context about like what you're looking for. And for you, like what, what you are leaving yourself open to. It's so interesting though, to think about it and, you know, cause that, that hike was going to be that separation. And if there is no hike is the moment of saying I'm going on the hike. It's the moment of making that decision to go enough separation to send you on a new path or do you fall back into the old uh comfortable ways i don't know right well (laughs) the the uh, you know societal situation may force you out of it regardless um and maybe not the the shift you were looking for but i don't know that's that's a good question you know i mean you've done all this preparation for making that shift you know, is that enough in your mind to make the shift? Yeah. Could be. Such, such existential crisis, uh, questions. I know. I know it is. It's such as, such as the time right now for it. You know, I think we, yeah. we need to all have that. When, when you were on the AT and, and you're having your highs and your lows every day, I'm sure like the first day, the first week you were, it was a little less solid. In terms of that, like like that confidence that you that you were telling me about, where, you know, I knew that if it was a low, there would be a high coming, and so you know, I just right. waited out, kind of a thing. I guess how right. long did it take for you to get comfortable that that would happen? Oh, that the, that the that's high a would good follow question. the low, right? Probably a little bit. I'm trying to think if there was any like direct time that it was. There was, I mean, that's when I relied on my, my hard-headedness to keep pushing through <laughs> until, yeah. until I found that. Um, I mean, the moment I really remember, like, relying on it was when I was in New York. That's when it, like, became very clear to me. I was, my partner came out and hiked with me, and he was on trail with me for, uh, like, five weeks or something and really got me through these, like, hard times in Pennsylvania and the rocks and, like, all this mid-Atlantic stuff that I would have, like, probably ditched out if I hadn't had somebody, like, pushing me. And it was the day that he left. You know, and he went to fly back to California and I was like on my own. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, this is a low. It's like, okay, all right, Mandy, like we are low. How are we going to get high? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, you know, and I, I went and I found, I found a place that was like at a, um, a lake or something that was open with like, you know, lifeguards and swimming and people were like playing music and stuff. And I just like went and like posted up and just like watched the world, you know, and like went swimming and like took a shower and got a soda, like, you know did all of the summer beach time stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. Life is good again. We can, we can handle this. So I did like allow myself that little bit. I'm sure I probably had that before, but that was definitely the marker time when I knew how to get myself better and how to stay on trail. Right. You, you knew, you knew what the recipe was. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Usually it's food. (laughs) (laughs) Food, music, sun, nature. Yeah. Exactly. Like it still kind of 
connect with me on the AT. You're you're alone, but you're not at the same time because you're walking, you know, the backbone of America, and you're like so close to so many people, but also this like kind of hidden little like fox in the woods, you know, that nobody knows you're there, which is kind of fun in the same regard, especially through the mid Atlantic. Um, so for me, it was kind of having this connection to what normal everyday people were doing on their Saturday or something, you know, and I was still kind of sitting there quietly and people thought I was like weird, had my ski poles with me or something, you know, but, they were just, like, <laughs> my hiking, you know? <laughs> but I just needed to have some casual conversation and eat some food and know that I'm not alone in the world. Did you hike with a tramley at all? I did not. I mean, I, you know, on and off, I would, I would jump back and forth with people, but I was, I was very much an, an independent hiker. I think that re- reveals itself for your personality. Um, if you choose to hike like that, I really thought I am a loner. <laughs> I do like doing things on my own. I, towards the end and like through Maine, I was really like keeping pace with some good people that I, I think the world of. And I'm really glad that I was able to have that experience and like finish with some people. Um, but in the end, it was like, you know, maybe two weeks of doing that. And I, you know, I just always wanted to do what I wanted to do. Like the, the hike your own hike thing really resided with me. And if people wanted to go into town and I didn't, I would just, okay, I see you later and see you down the trail. And, you know, you bump into them now and again, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to do whatever the whole group wants right. to do. Like, that's just, that's not, that's not who I am. It's not how I wanted to do my hike. And you never felt potentially sucked into wanting to do that or the, the pressure of wanting to do that, I guess? The pressure of it. Sure. I definitely did because that's what everyone around you does there's very few like very solo hikers and I I can't speak for the PCT but I I would imagine you know most people do group up and it does it makes you feel like you you need to do that that's what you should do but whenever I found myself doing that even for a couple of days I'd be like oh get me out of here (laughs) I I think you're all great people but I gotta do my own thing like I'm out of here and you know it's that's just who I am. I mean, I have my, my office in my house. Like I kind of, the self-isolation thing, like that's my bag. I got this, you know? <laughs> Who knew there was a, a term for it already? Right, right. <laughs> and I've heard it described from any number of people, you know, you, you show up at the terminus at the start and it's like the first day of kindergarten or the first day of high school yeah. or you know, and you're looking around and you're wondering who these people are and will you find any friends and, you know, are you the odd man out and da, 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 da. Did you have any of that kind of feel to it? Um, I did. Like I, you know, I started with a handful of other people or like the first night in the first shelter, there were some people there and they were nice, but I, I didn't feel like I had to like, to make one of those work, you know, mm-hmm. or that yeah. I would be like running with one of them. I did for a little bit just cause like we had the same pace, you know? So I think inevitably you kind of end up with people just due to your hiking style. Yeah. But I, I didn't feel that. And I, I don't know if it's like my lack of research. I didn't really know like what a tramily was or that <laughs> that was part of trail culture. You know, I was like, I'm not here for me. I'm not here for you. Like, <laughs> you know, this is about me. So I didn't, you know, I definitely wasn't like antisocial by any means, but I I didn't feel that like giddiness of, you know, like who are, who are these people that I'm with? I just, yeah, it's not who I am. 
or the or the peer pressure of quote unquote fitting in. Yeah, yeah, I've never fit in, so that's (laughs) (laughs) not concerned with that anymore. (laughs) Different drummer. Yeah, exactly. I've always always been that way, and I think trail helped me really like hone that, you know, and be okay with it. Was that something that you had struggled with before that? I I guess so. Like as we're talking about it, and as it is coming out. Yeah, maybe I had, or I knew these things about me, but still, you know, societal pressures, peer pressures or whatever to be more social and to share these experiences with people. And I think eventually it was just, I, yeah, learned to own it. And, you know, I still love people. I have, I have friends, you know, like, but Mm -hmm. there's only a handful of them. (laughs) No, it's, it's so nice. It's so wonderful to be able to own yourself so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. In whatever shape and form that that is. Right. Exactly. And not to feel the obligation um, that we, that we end up putting on ourselves, you know, to really like come to terms with that. It's very freeing. Yeah. And then you, you know, push yourself physically and uh, walk many, many, many miles. (laughs) (laughs) What, what year did you do the AT? I hiked in 2012. It seems like a lifetime ago. (laughs) It does. It does. And like the way things have kind of changed that I've stayed connected with the trail community and seen just, I mean, you know, trails change. You talk about people that hiked in the nineties, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, how'd you do it without an app? You know, (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of fun how, how that does change. And yeah, mine wasn't even that long ago, but it's still, it still was a long time ago. We, take it for granted so much how things change because they change so quote unquote slowly when you're doing something every day. But the evolution of hiking on the trail from, you know, the time of let's say wild to even the eighties or the nineties or, or 2012 is radical. Yeah, it is very much. So, I mean, yeah, it changes every year. Like this is going to probably dramatically change you know, this, this year and the the pandemic will, you know, change how people like view the trail and how they decide to hike the trail. And, you know, it's maybe a lot more like section hikers or something going out there and like piecing it together. And I, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's funny that you say that because I was literally just thinking in my head that there's basically three weeks before I'm supposed to start and Mm -hmm. who knows what will have resolved itself by then. But I was literally just thinking to myself, well, you know, you could do a Sobo starting in July. I mean, there's enough time to figure out that. Or you could section, you know, and do just mm-hmm. pieces um, just to at least have some experience of being on the trail and touching the trail, I guess, for a moment. Mm-hmm. I think those are great options. I think there's going to be a lot of other people that are weighing those. I mean, yeah, the Northern... <laughs> the northern terminus might end up looking like the southern terminus in july you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) people still want to get out there and want to do it like that's the beautiful time to be hiking through like washington you know the snow levels like are okay and stuff like that it's going to be gorgeous like you're not running through and like you know dodging all the winter storms that are coming like i think that's a great option you got to think outside the box exactly yeah (laughs) i mean hikers are the most like resilient people i know like if you want to hike, you'll find a way <laughs> to do it safely and respectful for everyone. You know, exactly. 
Exactly. Though I'm not a fan of the 30 mile walk into man or into the, the terminus just to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's, there's always the extra miles. No matter how much you plan, there's always going to be the extra miles. <laughs> what were your least favorite extra miles that you walked on the AT? Oh, man. I, let me think. I, I didn't like walking extra miles. Like, nobody does. And I did. I, I wasn't, like, a true-to-the-through kind of person. I didn't, like, yellow blaze or jump ahead or anything. But, like, I, you know, if there was a way to, like, take one way, like, into town and then I, like, I jump back out the other way or something, like, I wasn't about <laughs> to, like, go back and, like, connect all that, like towards the end I was hiking with a guy who like there's one way into a shelter he would go back out that way and like go back the same trail I was like oh no I'm, go- I'm going out this way like you're crazy <laughs> so I was not uh not a purist by any means and would definitely like chop off those miles as much as I could but I in the end though like once you're done all you can think about is being back on trail you know and all you want is to do those miles again so you know take that too so yeah like that's, that's all you want to do is be hiking when you're done. So just hike the miles that are there because soon you won't be hiking and that's all you'll be thinking about. How did that manifest for you? What's that? The, you know, you get done and all you want to do is the next and the next and the next trail. Um, it, I don't know. My life got pretty turbulent after my AT hike. Um, I was ready to be done. Like we kind of joked. It was just like, I am through hiking. Like I am out of here. I'm done. And I, my partner and boyfriend at the time, we like went and traveled in um, Central America for a little while afterwards. So it was still this like sense of adventure um, that we had, but my brother ended up dying very suddenly, like two months after I finished trail. So that just like threw a wrench into my life. We were in Guatemala at the time, so we flew back. Uh, my home, I grew up in Minnesota. So we went back there to be with family and to try to figure out what happened and where my life would be. And I thought I could throw myself into a career, you know, right back, like what I was trying to escape to begin with. But it's all that I knew. So I tried to throw myself back into that. And I like had a really hard time holding down a job. I think the combination of like, you know, post-hike, the post-hike blues, and then grief, like I just, I couldn't handle it. So that quickly changed. We were just like in a small apartment in Minneapolis and I had like a really part-time caregiver position and I, I started sewing. Um, it was just, I needed this creative outlet. Um, and we started planning hiking the next year. That's what I knew I could do. That's all I wanted was that peace and calm that came with being on trail. Um, I craved it. Like I really felt it like in my bones. I just wanted to like escape and get away from everyone and just hike. So we started planning a section hike on the PCT for the summer of 2013. And I, I made myself a skirt for it. Like I got in my head that I wanted to, to hike in a skirt. So I did. And you know, that's where it all, where it all started, but it was this like really, really low place that it came from. Why a skirt? That's a good question. <laughs> I saw some people hiking in them on the AT and I was just kind of intrigued by it. You know, the, what they said about how they liked it. This gal up in Maine, she had a skirt and she was like scooting down the, the rocks on it. And like, I was like, how, how you manage it in that? She's like, I love this thing, you know, and it was, it was airflow. She was telling me about that. And I 
just kind of got it in my head that I wanted to give it a try. So I made one and then, you know, we were five miles in or something on the PCT and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is nice. I like this. So I just, I rock out the hike in the skirt. I really liked it. And then that kind of became the thing that, that I wanted to try doing. Did you find yourself like in curling that first skirt? Did improving it? Well, improving it, but I mean, obviously, once you've worn it, once you put it on trail and and that kind of thing. But did you also, you know, build it knowing the things that you knew from having done the AT? I yeah, there were definitely like performance qualities and stuff that I knew. I needed in it. And like my first skirt, I just like, I went to the thrift store and, you know, just found old hiking pants and just like cut them up and put them together. Um, so there was definitely some <laughs> reconnected <laughs> the legs, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, it was kind of ridiculous. I still have it. I pull it out now and again, I'm like, Oh, this old thing. But yeah, I definitely had figured out what I really liked and you know, that you kind of geek out, you learn about fabrics and all that kind of stuff about what works and what doesn't. And range of motion and movement and all that became like a really big priority in it. And for me, that's kind of the fun part of it. I really like figuring that out and doing like the design aspect of it and really narrowing it down. Um, And I knew like the pockets, you know, that was a, that was a no brainer for me, like all over (laughs) on the, on the AT, like you get to town, I had like my little dry bag and I carry my dry bag around as my little purse. When I got to town, I was like, I hate this. This is awful. You know, but once you get pockets, then ain't no thing. And pockets are, okay, my personal opinion, but you ever notice that men's clothing, men's jeans, men's shorts, whatever, Mm -hmm. have these big, nice, deep pockets in them, Mm -hmm. and women's, if they have pockets, are so shallow that you can barely get your fingers (sighs) into them. I hate it. I hate it for like our lipstick or something that we carry. It's annoying. Yeah, it's awful. Um, Pockets are free. Yeah, it's the biggest discrepancy. Yeah, seriously. It is. Like women's wear just doesn't have them. I think designers say because it's like taking away the bulk, you know, because you want you know, like your legs to look the best or the hips or something. And speaking like pragmatically from a hiker standpoint, it's like I need function, you know, like yeah. I need these clothes to like work for me. So that's why, you know, just put a pocket on it and life gets better. <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> like the banner right there for the episode. Put a pocket on yeah. it. Life gets better. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So was that, you said it was, it was a pair of pants sort of adjusted. Yeah. So I'm assuming that the first rain skirt or the first skirt that you made was not purple nor a rain skirt. No, no, not at all. Not even close. (laughs) It's like drab green and gray with like a hot pink waistband. Yeah. (laughs) Hot pink. So you had, you accentuated the, the waistband. I, I did. Well, I mean, it was another, it was like an athletic shirt that I found at a thrift store and I, you know, cut it up. I knew it needed like some flair on it. So I went hot pink. Yeah. <laughs> so when did that manifest itself into purple rain skirts, the the company, the business? The business of it. I, it was after that. So we did a section hike on the PCT. We were like moving back out west, piecing the life back together after everything kind of got upended. And I didn't, I didn't want to write another cover letter. Like I was just I was really sick of it. I couldn't <laughs> imagine like going back to Portland and like applying for these jobs. It just seemed like I just want to bang my head in the wall thinking about it. And I knew I liked this skirt. I've always been like a maker and a creative. And I think I've always 
kind of wanted like to find the thing that I could do. So uh, I just kind of went with it. We went down to LA and I like went through the fabric district and or the fashion district and found some fabrics that I could start working with. Um, and I just started playing around with it. I mean, and I you know, made some prototypes and put them on my friends to figure out what a small, medium, and a large looked like. And I didn't really overthink the name. My trail name was Purple Rain on the AT, so it just seemed like a, a natural fit that I would name the company after myself. And I started an Etsy shop. And it was actually my six-year anniversary of starting, of, of clicking publish on my Etsy shop yesterday. So congratulations! six years into this. Thank you. <laughs> How fortuitous. And, yeah, and by the it? way, we're we're in mid-May right now or mid-March right now. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, St. Patrick's Day is my my business anniversary. Nice. Yeah. So I did that. And it was, you know, it was very part-time for a while. I just did it to fill in the gaps, you know. I mean, I worked with dogs and I was a nanny. Like I did still have these other jobs. And my I was living in Portland with my partner and like two of his friends, and they very kindly let me like take over the dining room table and hmm. I had you know living in a rental and like just rolled out these big bolts of fabric and cut them up and made them to order as people bought them and then we moved to southern Oregon in 2015 and that's when I decided to go full-time with it so I haven't haven't applied for another job since then and it feels good <laughs> isn't it a lovely feeling to control your destiny like that it is. It so much is. <laughs> and I, yeah, like when I do, I have my downer days for sure. Like it's really hard running your own business, but yeah. knowing that I am accountable for myself is, is everything that I need. And it's, it's definitely the right uh, life's path for, for myself. Yeah. With you. Okay. So uh, there's sort of two questions here, but okay. let's start with purple rain. All right. Where did that come from? The only thing that springs to mind is Prince, but I know as it should because he's amazing and it's a great song. Yep. Um, I I like I quite literally had a purple rain skirt, like an actual rain skirt on on the AT. But I, in all honesty, like I, I named myself. It did come like organically when I was on trail. I was about like I don't know three or four weeks in, and given my nature of being a loner, like I you know, hadn't gotten some ridiculous trail name that someone like had to bestow on me. A couple of people tried to like give me something and I was like, nah, I don't like that. I'm not going to take it. And I, I was running into these people that had handmade gear and it just didn't even occur to me that like you could make your own stuff. I was like, that's like, that's, that's brilliant. You know, and I saw this gal who had a rain skirt. She like literally made hers and she's like, Oh yeah, they have, you know, you can get this fabric online, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, calling my mom and telling her about it. I was like, mom, you got to make me this rain skirt. I had like a trash bag, like, you know, a cut off trash bag that I was wearing, <laughs> which works the fine. Of you know, but something, yeah, exactly. Like serious hiker trash. So I, yeah, I called my mom and I told her and I was like, mom, you can get, you, I need a purple rain skirt. Like you have to make this for me. And then I was like, ah, purple rain. And then just like kind of stuck. I was a little apprehensive about like naming myself, but I told a couple people about it and they're like, no, that's awesome. You should go with that. So I just, <laughs> I rocked it out. Yeah. Okay. So why specifically and very specifically a purple rain skirt? Ah, very, I don't know. I love purple. I mean, it is naturally my favorite color. Um, and you know, it's like a skirt, like a hiking skirt or a rain skirt. Like it's just really practical and really functional on trail. 
it's it's durable that you can have it. It's not rain pants because like you start to sweat too much in it. It was really a multifunctional piece of gear for me because I mean I wear it in the rain, but I also would like wear it, take a break on it, and just like throw it down and like sit on it, put my pack on it. I was in a hammock for a long time on the AT and like I put it underneath my hammock and like, um, or I'd wrap my pack with it at night so it wouldn't get like splatter mud on it, like in the rain and stuff. Like I, it was like my, my favorite piece of gear hands down on the trail. It feels like it's a multi-tool. It is exactly. Yeah. It's so much more than rain gear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you started with a, a, a rain skirt. I started with a with a trash bag. With a trash bag, okay. And then yeah. you saw the skirt. <laughs> I and upgraded. Then yeah. You upgraded. Your mom helped you upgrade. Yeah. To your to your purple rain skirt. Yep. How long was that first one? Was it like knee? Was it? Oh, the length on it. Yeah. Um, that my mom made for me. Yeah. It was yeah probably to my knee maybe a little bit lower. And she did it you know for I mean she went online and like found some random you know, <laughs> um pattern from it. I'm sure there's probably some better options out there, but she did. She did a damn good job. (laughs) You know, what's so amazing to me is we don't sew anymore. I know. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's really a shame as I'm like trying to find like seamstresses and like higher help and stuff. It's, it's a dying art. People just don't do it anymore. It's really a shame because there's so much like, like freedom and liberty being able to like make your own and not have to hunt it down. And Yeah. I know. I think about all the the clothes that my mom made for me, or I made for myself it, through 4-H yeah. by sewing. Cool. So funny. Oh, I love it. Yeah. We gotta gotta keep that alive. And you are. I yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I love it. I I really do enjoy it, and I'm trying to find people that do also, and like to keep it this really small, like handmade business and promote promote the creative and the the art in my small little rural town here very nice so i have some questions about because you sell both just not specifically rain skirts but just hiking skirts they are hiking skirts i know it's very confusing i get that a lot (laughs) yeah and then you also have one that is a little bit more of a rain skirt a hiking skirt and rain skirt. It each of the fabrics is a little bit different. I'll geek out on any of the fabrics with it. So the black has like a DWR in it. Or it has a um, the coating on it. So it right. it will all of the fabrics like bead fabric or bead water to an extent. You know, like as disclaimer, nothing is waterproof. You know, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't use it as my sole rain gear by any means. But if you're walking in a sprinkle or something, like you wouldn't need to like put put your whole ring gear on over it um but it is it is technically a, a hiking skirt um like performance wear not rain gear right okay and then you also have a kilt i do yeah for for the men among us who like good air who enjoy some good airflow yeah <laughs> those are like the two solid designs i had the skirt for years and then my friend all good uh, talked me into making a kilt because he wanted something that had a little bit more coverage in it and that has like a snap feature so it turns it into like shorts so if you're like trying to hitch a ride and don't want to be the guy on the side of the road wearing a skirt you can make it look like shorts and maybe get a ride easier um so i've got that and then i'm working on a dress design right now too that i was gonna launch this summer 
at events, but I don't know what's happening there. So (laughs) maybe, maybe it'll come out sooner than I thought. (laughs) You were talking about your, your original purple rain skirt um, Mm -hmm. being so multifunctional. I guess here's the question from my head. You know, I've heard many people talk about, you know, everybody walks around in their shorts and that kind of stuff. The the skirt, which is a little bit longer, is going to give you a little bit more protection. And because it is a little not waterproof, what is the other? Water resistant. Water resistant. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you a little coverage there if you get a, a nice sprinkle or a little sprinkle. But do you find that it, what am I, what am I trying to ask? Do you find that it makes life simpler out there versus the shorts or the, that kind of stuff? I, for me, it does. It just, it does. It simplifies things. It streamlines it. Um, it makes it easy to like to layer. So usually in the morning, I still want to have my leggings on, like I'm, I'm cold and I will, you know, have my leggings on and then the skirt. And then whenever I heat up, you just, you pull the leggings off without having to do this whole like costume change. Um, it makes going to the bathroom so much easier. <laughs> Which, like, is thing. Real. Which is a legitimate yeah, thing. Is. When you're being like 20 times a day, like you got to streamline that, you know, especially if you're like hiking with other people or hiking with dudes, you know, like they just, they yeah. go so quick and like, uh, being a female, like, you know, you just want to be able to, to do it fast and it really does help that. And yeah, I, I, I think that it does like make everything easier for me, the shorts. I did the shorts, like the whole AT, I had the short shorts. They just, they got sweaty and then they would like bunch and they just give me all this like wet fabric between my legs and that's how I ended up that's how I ended up chafing it was the wet fabric so for me like keeping the airflow and keeping it dry like I might chafe a little bit like in the beginning of the year but then almost develop like a callus that helps like between the legs you know and you know all bodies are different I still have a lot of customers who prefer to prefer to wear like a compression short underneath right. but then the, the skirt gives it like a bit of modesty but it also helps keep those compression shorts dry too like just the nature of a skirt with the airflow well and i think that that's i mean that's a big thing on the trail is the sweat the sweat drying yeah. Yeah. the sweat getting wet again yeah <laughs> it's this vicious cycle exactly. it is it is you're constantly dealing with all that salt buildup yeah did you have issues, I mean, other than sort of the, the chafing type of thing, did you have other issues with that while you were on the AT or section hiking or? With just like clothing issues? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's never pretty. Like you're just, you're wearing the same thing day <laughs> in and day out. You know, <laughs> like it just, it gets gross. I I rotated through my stuff quite a bit, um, at least on the AT because it's like the humidity there. Like that's what was so intense. So you like are literally just sweating through everything and it doesn't ever dry. So you always have this wet stuff. I was like kind of constantly upgrading from like a t-shirt, you know, some loose fitting t-shirt to like a a tank top or something on it too. Out West, I find it better, like just a kind of a loose fitting, like button up with the long sleeves. I like that because again, it's like the airflow can kind of go through it a bit more and things dry out a little quicker. I think it kind of varies, like depending on your hiking conditions about what you're going to like. But I, in the end, you usually want to burn your clothes. <laughs> um, it was a very nice compliment when through hikers tell me that they do multiple trails in my skirts because they like it so much they're not going to like get rid of it. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that does make me feel good that you don't want to like throw it away immediately when you're done. You you personally know the testament to that because you know the 
the desire to burn. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it is. Your, your clothes get gross. They're not, they're not pretty. When you were out there, sorry, I'm going to tangent on you. So I'll give you a, a forewarning. Okay. okay. When you were out there, like, what were you eating and how did that evolve over the course of the trail and between trails? Oh, it does. I did on the AT, I dried a lot of my own food. I just, I really got into that kind of research for mine. Um, turns out you don't really have to because there's food everywhere on the AT. But I do think that I ate better because of that. Um, you know, it was a lot of like rice and beans and dried meat and those things. So I, I did eat really well. And I think, I mean, I have a huge impact on your uh, performance and the way your body holds up or doesn't, you know, if you got the traditional through hiker diet of candy and, and soda, you know, Pop-tarts. unless you're, you're, you're 22, I don't know, my body would break down on that. But, you know, some people do that. So rock it out. And then, but like, we simplified it a lot more. I had like a lot of variety that I was going for on the ET, which I think was, was nice. Like you do kind of get sick of eating the same thing, especially when you're doing like, a long through hike of, you know, three to six months. We, we just really simplify it now. It is a lot of like rice and beans that we did when we were on the GET. It was beans and rice and beef. Like we got the big beans and rice and hot. beef. Yeah. Like, that was like our <laughs> nightly dinner with a big scoop of, we got, we had ghee. We carried ghee, like uh, the jars yeah. of it from Trader Joe's. So to do dollops of that, to keep some good fat content in it. And I mean, it drove me nuts, but the end of it, like food becomes, you know, it's like your water. It's like, you don't even care. You just need something. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have those treats. And that's like where the snacks come in. So you can re up and have some good snacks and some good, maybe sweet treats for the end of the day. But it's like, in the end, like you just need the food. Um, and for me, like the rice and beans and beef was like kind of the way that we go. Was that just because of calorie content, taste, or uh, satisfaction yeah. with taste? Yeah, simplicity to just yeah. like just have something that is you could easily prepare these the bags, know exactly what you need in it, and put those in your boxes, and you know shipping those out to yourself. You know, I mean, I, I probably do it maybe a little bit differently, but it also like it, it depends on I think how long you're going to be out there for. Like I can I can put up with the same stuff for for a while for like for our month on the PCT, and then it was. I guess about seven or eight weeks on the GET. There just weren't a lot of other resources for us out in the desert. So what we had is what we had. And so you just really look forward to that burger when you get to town. <laughs> where where does the Grand Enchantment Trail run? It goes between Phoenix and Albuquerque. So we hiked it eastbound starting in, in Phoenix and the Superstition Mountains. And then you end like coming over the Sandia Crest and hike right down into Albuquerque. Nice. What it time is. of year it's really did you cool. go? We did it in like we started in late March. Okay. And ended like mid May. Yeah. So the spring hike, whenever you have the most fun, it's either spring or fall usually that you do it. Since it is the desert. Since yeah, since it is the desert, yeah. <laughs> Does it have a mu- much? trail angel trail magic around it no not at all Um, there's like a little could you share the azt the arizona trail and there's really good community around that so we hit some good water caches 
with that and a couple towns. Um, the towns along the AZT are amazing. They don't, they like know exactly what you're doing and like want to give you a ride. And then the GET also shares the CDT for a little bit. So you have kind of that community for a short bit. But other than that, you're not on very much established trails. You're um, doing a lot of uh, cross country, you know, without like established trail following stock paths. And I think it was to the benefit of like of wild coming out recently that people did like when we did run into them, there was like, Oh, from that movie. And we're like, yeah, that's what we're doing. You know? Like, so at least people didn't in the Southwest, you have much more of like the vagabond culture and like yeah. people tramping around, you know? So people kind of assumed that's what we were doing. Assumed we were walking on roads and we're like, Oh no, we, we take these trails. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like the movie. Cool. <laughs> the movie certainly made things easier for reference purposes. It did. It really did. And I got, I got people on trail and they're changing their lives because of it. So yeah. I don't mind. How did you navigate? Was it map and compassy? Was it Google mappy type of thing? Um, it was both. Yeah. Okay. Um, we definitely had some paper maps and compass and then uh, Gaia, you know, on the phone for that stuff. Yeah. And learning how to read a landscape, you know, was, was a big challenge of it too. But that's kind of the fun of like the evolution of hiking too. I mean, I, my first trail was, I like, you can't, it's hard to get lost on the ET. Like it is very well signed and you know exactly where you're going to then like being out in the desert. And it's like, okay, fine. Choose your own adventure. Like, let's figure out how do we get from point A to point A to point B. How was that? Uh, it's challenging. It really is. Because like distances, you know, like you don't even know how many miles you're doing or really how far things are. So that, that can kind of weigh on you. I, we are, I'm a much better hiker because of it. Definitely not taking things for granted and that learning to orientate yourself and not rely on a trail. You know, it's, it's definitely more difficult. You know, it's really yeah. nice to be on the AT or the PCT and you put in your headphones and you just like take off and bust out like 15 miles. But on a GT, there was no listening to anything, you know, like we had to, you have to stay very present. You have to be very focused because you could get yourself into a lot of trouble and like be completely not where you thought that you were. And and some of those moments happened and it was a little scary, which I'm really glad that I have a strong, my partner's a really, really good hiker also. And we had each other to do it, you know, to be like, okay, we're not where we thought we were. Like we need to backtrack and figure this out. It It can be scary for sure. What happened when you, f what had happened, I should say, when you found that you weren't where you were supposed to be or where you thought you were going to be? Um, well, you're going to have to like sit down and have a little, a little powwow. We were trying to, this one instance that I'm thinking of, like trying to get around this, like I don't, in the South that there's, it's private property, a lot of places. So yeah. you're dictated by these the fences, you know, and like we thought that our, our route was going to be able to take us like straight through this, um, straight around this mountain, but there was like big fencing along it. And we were just like, Hmm, like, I guess we're going to have to try something different, you know? So we started just like trying to follow the fence line and it just kept going up and up and up and up and up this mountain. Um, and all of a sudden we were like, yeah, not where we thought that we were. So just kind of like sat down and had a little powwow and ate some food and, you know, drink some water and like developed a plan. And we ended up backtracking like a lot which is not what you want as a hiker <laughs> like, when you know you still have like, you know, X amount of miles to go for water and like what that does to your day. But 
you also don't have a choice in the in the moment and you have to do it. So you got to think those happy thoughts and keep going. <laughs> and what was your go-to happy thought? Oh, I don't know. Usually food. <laughs> the next town it's burger. Hard. Yeah, exactly. Which on the GED was like a week away, but you know, usually for me, it's like trying to stay present, you know, and trying to appreciate the natural beauty that's around you instead of just kicking dirt. You know, like, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of the desert and it's it's April and I don't have a job. You know, like this is really beautiful. So relishing in that and not just trudging it. I, I could see you, when you just said that, I it, what flashed through my hand is almost like that uh, saying, are you saying, I'm here in the middle of the desert. We're a little bit lost right now. I don't have a job. And then almost like the flip side of that, which is, I don't have a job. Yeah, I know. it could go either way. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> depends on your, your perspective at the time, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the same exact words. Mm-hmm. So was that the big challenge with the GET, which, you know, you're in the desert. So you have the basic desert challenges, which is water and heat and that kind of stuff. But then because it's not a... It's not the the you know brown line going across the, right. the 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 countryside. You're constantly looking at your navigation, and because of the pub, the private property, you're constantly having to figure yourself your ways around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really big challenges. A lot of it, like it's really remote, and there just there wasn't access to towns, and so we. I mean, on our seven week journey we maybe hit like three towns you know like it it was yeah like it was really hard we were able to do mail drops to the like in klondike arizona it's not even a town but there's like a broken down freezer that gets you can do a mail drop to how do you do a mail drop to a broken down freezer okay wait what i know it's crazy like it's this old ghost town and i think there's like a caretaker that lives there um, and they do have mail that goes through and Brett Tucker like has this relationship for the GET whenever he set up the route that you can do general delivery to yourself in Klondike and there's like a broken out. It's like, it's an old store. Like it used to be a store, but it's not anymore. And there's like a freezer, a big like chest freezer out back. And you, they literally put your packages inside of that. So. <laughs> And they just, they know that if you're doing a general delivery, then you're a hiker and... Yeah, it so you're a GT gets... hiker and you'll, you'll come by and pick it up. Mm-hmm. That is so wild. Yeah. It makes it me is. want so to wild. visit Klondike. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I, there's not a whole lot there, but it's, it's a cool area. It's near like Aravaipa Canyon, which is gorgeous. Like, what, say what, that again? What true, canyon? Aravaipa Canyon. It's like... It's uh, like a wilderness area and like permitted to be able to hike through it. It's, it's incredible. We've been plotting to get back ever since, um, but it's, it's really beautiful. It's just outside of like Tucson. It's really not too far from there. Is it, uh, uh, does it have to be a hike visit or can it be a car visit or? Uh, you do have to hike into it. Yeah. Okay. Wait for the town or the Canyon? The Canyon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hike into the Canyon, but you can, you can drive through glorious Klondike if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, the Old West and the ghost towns and all of that, I just love. I love all the history of the Old West. 
Yeah, I agree. I do too. And that's why this was a fun route is because you're hiking through so much of it. It's like, how did people like see this land as something that they wanted to inhabit, you know, and then obviously ditched it. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to imagine people coming out, settlers coming out into the desert areas of Arizona and stuff and, and seeing possibility there. Yeah. Yeah. The truth. Yeah. Settlers just looking for their piece of it. I don't know. It's wild. What other type of old Westie stuff did you run across on the Grand Enchantment Trail? Um, a, like a cowboy herding his cattle through the town of Monticello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it did like, it went through, there's a town of Monticello and it's a really great town, but there's no, there is a post office, but there's not like a restaurant or anything there. It's just um, a, a settlement of, of houses. So we hiked through, um, and this was, this was really far off route too. It was like adding another, like, I don't know, 10, 20 miles or something onto our hike to be able to get this food drop. Um, anyway, so we were like hiking into the town and there was literally like a cowboy, like herding his cattle through town. And he had to like, tell us to stop, you know, cause we were like spooking the cattle. So we had to like <laughs> stop on one end so he could like get them through. And then like, you know, he waved us through so we could go into the post office and, and pick up our box. <laughs> you felt a second, like you had gone back in time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't, I'll, I'll step back here. I don't want anything to do with your cows. <laughs> what is next on your, on your trail list or, or to get you back out there again? Oh man, all the time. Um, I mean, my thread hiking has uh, diminished a bit because we, I have a young one um, and he's three. And like when he was really little, we were getting out a lot, but yeah, you know, we've had toddlers do. They learn that they have control of their life. Um, I'm hoping. <laughs> I know. What the heck? So we're we're figuring it out. It's shorter ones. We've got grandma and grandpa coming out in June, so we can do. It's a local trail here, the Illinois River Trail. Um, it's through a pretty remote part of the Coast Range here in Southwest Oregon. Um, so we're going to do that for about a week. Um, I've started like an annual, like mom's backpacking trip. So I've got my, my mom friends out and we go <laughs> do like a, a long weekend in the fall time. So we're going to go out to the Trinity Alps and do that. So I guess my mantra these days is just like trying to encourage others like to get out, uh, yeah. my son included. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a little more limited what we do, but if I can get him hiking at least a little bit and find get him to have some like intrinsic motivation with it. Like it's, it's paying off in the long run. So for now we do one and two mile hikes up to mountain lakes and call it good. You get what you can get. We did. Exactly. Exactly. Like we have dreams of long hikes, but just where we are in our life right now, it's, it's not going to happen, but I'll be back out there soon enough. <laughs> yeah. So these, these shorter hikes keep you connected. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it keeps you uh, in it. It gives you what you need from it. I found after doing a couple long hikes, you're able to get back into that mindset quicker once you get on trail. That, you know, the peace and calm that comes with just like putting one foot in front of the other. It just, it comes a lot quicker after you've done a couple. So, you know, like a week on trail is, it's pretty satisfying as far as filling that need for yourself. When you think of through hiking, sort of overall, all of your experiences with through hiking, 
is there any image, impression, feeling that that pops into your brain? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> in lieu of saying, what was your favorite moment out there, which everybody hates? Oh, I know. <laughs> I do. I do hate that. Um, you know, like, I think, too, I, I guess it reflects back to, like, my statement of, like, I am woman, hear me roar, you know? But it's like that, that superhero stance of just, like, the arms over your head, just like, roar, you know? Like, I... I feel really powerful when I'm out there because I'm carrying everything on my back and I'm self-sufficient and I have ultimate freedom to do whatever I want and to go wherever I want. And for me, that's really empowering. So I guess it's like this big, like, like a power stance, you know, or like, I guess like, nice. I don't know. My, my, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Go on with that. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Is there anything that we should talk about that we haven't yet? Oh, um, so many things, so little time. I, yeah, I know. I don't know. I really enjoy talking to you. You have good questions. I'm not one for like spewing information. So I appreciate your, <laughs> your prompting questions. <laughs> You're welcome. I am eternally inquisitive. Yeah, I like that. That's good. You should be a podcaster. <laughs> that's, that's a good calling for you. <laughs> I feel like I've been training for it my entire life. <laughs> what is your day job now? Uh, right now, I do uh, management of film and TV okay. production. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, just depending upon the the project, I will either kind of produce it or, which I guess is a version of management, but producing it, which is a little bit more high level or uh, unit production managing it, that kind of thing, which is more okay. kind of in the trenches producing it. Wow. Yeah. Dang. No, I didn't say you are going to be pulling a 180. I know, right? Going on trail. Mm-hmm. My my eternal dilemma is that you know, with each project, and I have a feeling it's a little bit like through hiking or people's descriptions of through hiking and getting to the end of through hiking. You know, with each project, by the time you get to the end of it, you're just like, oh my god, I am so sick of this. You know, yeah. people, I just want to <laughs> kill them. We're, we're done, thank God. And then you finish and you walk away and you take, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months off, you know, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I, I need the next fix. Where can yeah, I get I'm this? ready for more. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and absolutely. You're just like, okay, maybe I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, there's the correlations between through hiking and life, like all over the place, you know. What would be, do you have any aspirations to do the Triple Crown maybe when you're more available, more time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it will, it will definitely happen. Um, right now, I, I don't know, it's coming up closer, like sooner and sooner, but I was like, I'll do the AT when I'm 30, the PCT when I'm 40, and the CDT when I'm 50. Like, <laughs> just kind of in these 10 year increments, but I'm closing in on 40 here soon. So, uh, it depends on, um, I guess, yeah, where our life is at the moment, if I can take the time off. Um, but my partner is wonderfully supportive. So I know that he would give me the space to do it for sure. Uh, yeah, it'll happen. I'm I'm not super over eager to like bust it out by any means, obviously. But yeah, I would really like to do the big three for sure. And I can't wait to hike the AT again, too. I have like unfinished business with that of just like skipping down trail and drinking out of springs and like not carrying any food. <laughs> Say this again. 
like the AT, like having the perspective now of doing other hikes on the AT, like I would just, I, it would, I can't wait to go back and like fast pack it and do it really lightweight and like not carry hardly any food because there's so much everywhere and just like not carrying a filter and just like drinking all the beautiful spring water. I would, I'll definitely go down memory lane and, and hike the AT again. That's your, that's your home trail, so to speak. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It will, it's what brings it all back together for me. <laughs> Where should people find you uh, if they want to talk to you about skirts or following your continuing adventures or have any other, I guess, questions for you? Uh, yeah, you can check out the website. It's purplerainskirts.com. I answer all of my emails myself, uh, info at purplerainskirts.com. And then I try to be active on social media these days. Uh, the Instagram, you can direct message me there uh, at purplerainskirts. Perfect. Thank you so much for oh, thank you. coming in to talk about both Purple Rain Skirts, but also uh, your adventures on the trail. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. I wish you luck. You'll be on trail one way or another. I think you'll get out there. This this too shall pass. Yeah, it's so... You know, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. But the interesting thing to me about it is almost... Not like not that the trail has done its job, but in some respects, for me personally, you know, the trail has done its job. I mean, yes, I want to challenge myself physically, and and I need to get on the trail to do that. But in so much as what we were talking about earlier about the separation of things, mm-hmm. making the decision, making the final decision to yeah. be on trail versus do the next job during that same period sort of created that separation already. You know what I mean? So it, yeah, in one the respect, decision was already, already made. Yeah. yeah. It's already started a new trajectory. That's awesome. That's great. And if that's what, that's all it needs to be, then that's, that's what it is. Yeah. No, that's cool. I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you. It's, yeah. it's funny how the trail works. Isn't it? Even when you're not on it. <laughs> the, the idea of it just like gets in your brain, you know, and makes you just like think about things differently. It's really profound. Yeah. I am coming to appreciate more and more the saying that the trail provides. Yeah. And in so many ways, in ways you never thought possible. It does. Everybody who has ever been on the trail thought about or or made life decisions to be on the trail and then somehow didn't or whatever their lives have been profoundly changed by it absolutely absolutely that's that's the guarantee of it (laughs) that's the written guarantee yeah i think so (laughs) and that's what you have to accept like in preparation of doing it i think that's like the intrigue that people have Mm -hmm. with it at least it was for me you know that i knew it would change things was there any fear about how it might change things um, I don't think so. Like I was really, I was really open for it. And I mean, I, yeah, like my life really did change. And like with like the death of my brother wrapped up into it, you know, like yeah. I, it was in ways that I didn't even know. Um, but it's all a package deal at that point. And, you know, I, you gotta, you gotta be okay with it. However it rolls out. And that's, yeah, that's trail. I guess. <laughs> Gotta be okay with it. 
And links for Mandy's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Mandy for sharing her stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to seek out other people's stories and to share your own. Or maybe go out and create some new ones. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>